Once we address the survival and get clear on where they want to head, then we start to do differently. We start to look at how can we shift what you're thinking, how you're behaving, how you're approaching old familiar problems in a different way to start to create a new and different experience. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome, everyone. Today, I have the honor and privilege to introduce you, Carla Reeves. She is somebody I've met recently, but I've grown fond of her day by day. I was on her podcast talking to talk our stories. Our stories have a lot of commonalities, our passions very common. So I won't spoil it for you. So I will let Carla talk about herself as well. With that note, Carla, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're on the road. I know you're busy, but I cannot lose an opportunity to talk to you. Uh, thank you so much, Socket. It's an honor to be here. It was a joy to have you on my podcast. And hello, everyone that is listening. I am, um, gosh, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I've been married over 20 years. We have two grown sons. And I've been coaching and working with high achieving entrepreneurs and creatives who love their work, but struggle with balancing the other parts of their life. So that's what I do in the world. And I'm currently in Estes Park, Colorado. Oh my God, Carla, that's a beautiful place to be. <laughs> that's the best place to be uh, doing a podcast from. Oh, it's it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So Carla, I want to remind our listeners here, you know, what we stand for. Our show's name, I do not lose an opportunity to remind people, our show's name is Migrate to Wealth, right? And I have to remind ourselves, especially given the economy where we're in right now is the most important word is not wealth. The most important word there is Migrate. And I know, Carla, you and I have the same opinion, and I'm hoping my listeners have by now gotten tired of me repeating that. So <laughs> with that note, my belief for Migrate is, you know, life's going to help us change. Life's going to force us to change. Something is going to happen in our life where change is going to happen. Change is consistent. Uh, but we want to make that change as intentional as we can. Now, we may not have the luxury and privilege for all to design our entire life, but key aspects of life we can. So with that note, Carla, help us understand what has been your migration, life-transforming migration journey. Give us some insights of who you are, like what made you who you are. Gosh, there's a few migrations, right? But I'll go back to the first one that was really such a catalyst for me, uh, really going on mission to figure out how to do life differently and do this more intentionally. And I was about 28. I had been living my life up until that point to check the boxes of what I thought made a happy, successful life. And I was diligent at that. I had gone to school and um, gotten an education and a good job and gotten married. And on paper, it all looked good. <laughs> and But inside, I was empty. And I finally got to a point where I was willing to admit to myself that this wasn't working. And I knew in my heart there had to be another way. I didn't know how to get there, but I ended up going through a divorce at the time, something I never imagined myself in. And that was a huge catalyst and a gift in my life to really start to figure out how to do differently. And fortunately, I had a lot of great people and resources in my life at the time that really taught me 
that you don't have to be a victim to your circumstances. I, up until then, I had felt like I was just blowing in the wind of my circumstances. And if I got everything lined up just so, and I was getting the feedback from the outer world that I wanted, I felt pretty happy and good. But the moment that went away, I just had to work harder and be more and be better. And it was exhausting and it was a roller coaster and there was no consistent sustainability for happiness or joy or peace. And so that became my mission to figure that out. And I went through some programs that helped me understand how my mindset and my thinking were playing a huge role in that. And so my journey from there has been to really do this work in my own life of focusing on the inside instead of the outside to clean my inner environment up and cultivate a rich, fulfilling inner life that then started to change the shade of everything in my outer life. Well, Carla, first of all, I want to thank you for sharing your story. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure as it happens to all of us, we do not want to relive our emotions at that time. But thank you for, thank you for opening yourself up uh, and sharing those deep, uh, deep emotional uh, turmoils that you went through. Yeah, of course. Uh, but you know what? I think to your point and to your credit, you could have two options at that time. You could have gotten deep down a rabbit hole where you can just, it's a negative spiral, like my life sucks and why it's happening to me versus the approach you took. I want to get deeper into how you transition because, you know, as human beings, our first reaction is why me, why now? But how you took more of an empowering role for yourself to more figuring it out, how you can take that and you use the word catalyst to your growth, to what you want to do differently in life. I do want to remind members here listening, your company's name is Differently. That's the well, name of actually, your company. My company name, I operate under my name, CarlaReeves.com. But my podcast is called Differently. Ah, and it kind it. of is becoming my brand. So Yeah, yeah. no, I, I love that. As I mentioned on your show, I really love the name. So Carla, one, uh, let's go deeper into that, right? If, if that's okay with you. Of course. Uh, you know, you, I, I cannot imagine going through a divorce or a separation, especially if that's what the life was at that point. But if we go a little bit deeper into that, what was your state at that time? Kind of like if you, if you can take the audience back to, what were you thinking? Like before it happened? Before it happened, you know, you were already... I think if I heard you correctly, you're already realizing you're not fulfilled while on the outside, your life may have looked perfect to others and to yourself. Inside, there was something missing. And uh, what were you feeling at that time? And then we'll go to the next step is, how did you figure out that you want to change that? Yeah, I knew something wasn't right, but it took me a long time to be willing to admit that because up until that point, it was all about sort of upholding this image and upholding what I thought my parents wanted of me. And I was terrified to tell anybody because nobody had been divorced in my family. And so that was, I had a lot of shame. I had a lot of embarrassment. I had I had a lot of fear of would I ever be able to sustain a relationship again? And so I went through a lot of those emotions and a lot of just checking out. I remember coming home while we were still together and I would like I would be feel pretty good during my work day and doing my work. And then I would come to the door and just felt like all my lights went off when I went through the door and just I was just kind of checked out. And then it got to a point where 
I knew I had to do something and it didn't matter. I had to honor what I was feeling inside of myself because I'm the one that had to live with my choices. Everybody else around me didn't have to live with those choices. And I had to just start making those steps. I mean, small steps to, you know, I went through the motions of marriage counseling and even still knew that wasn't right. It wasn't right for me, but I wanted it to all look good. Like I was trying, Right. but I got to the point where it was, I knew I had to walk away. And we fortunately did that very amiably and in a loving way. And, and then the stage after that was, oh, just, I remember just feeling like I was in a fog. You know, just it was the my vision wasn't clear. It was just one step at a time. And my faith, my faith really carried me through and a lot of writing. I started writing and just writing, getting out what was inside of me first, and then just starting to take little, you know, putting little spots of paint on a canvas of like, what is it that I want next? What do I want to feel next? What do I want my life to be about? And who am I? Because I didn't know who I was. I had spent most of my life just trying to be what I thought other people wanted me to be. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, right, Carla? I mean, looking back, I'm sure it was very painful at that time. But looking back, we all live our life because of an external stimuli. It's usually parents, society, kind of like, you know, as, as growing up as a child, I remember education was the most important thing in my life. And that's the only thing that was important. While it played a very key role in making who I am, it set me to a path where I'm always achieving, I'm always want to be part of an institution, right? And that, while that may serve a purpose and it may be good for some, is it good for you? I think that's the real question that you went through on the journey is, whatever has you, have you been told to be a good wife, to be a good mom, to be a good worker, to have a good house, or whatever your reality at that time was, that wasn't your reality that was a reality that was told to you that it's the right reality. And if you do X, Y, and Z, your life's going to be perfect. And while, while you did all the things right, right, you went to the right school, you got a good job, you did everything scripted, but something was missing, right? And I really, I really appreciate you sharing that because it is one of the key, most important thing that we live our life. I don't believe in midlife crisis. I believe in crisis, Right that at some point, whatever that time happens, it could be 20 years old, you could be 80 years old, life's going to remind you that something's missing from you, right? Hopefully it happens early in our lives. So now help us walk through that journey. Now, Carla, you went through self-discovery, the process of self-discovery, understanding who you are, journaling. I really appreciate you doing that because I think that's the journey of the future starts in baselining who you are. And if you don't know who you are, you can't design your future, right? So help us understand that process. So you did through that. Did you ever journal before? And if not, what did you journal? Because most, most of us grew up not journaling. Because journaling, you know, and I would love to your perspective, hear your perspective. Journaling brings out more questions than answers. And uh, you may not like who you are after you journal because the person that you had a perfect image for, if you're really true to yourself, you may hate the person you are. Uh, help us understand your insights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually see it quite differently than that. But I think that is a common belief. People are afraid to journal because they're afraid what they're going to find. But for me, 
I did journal as a teenager. I like wrote deep, dark poetry as a teenager. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> just as a way to get out all those emotions and feelings. And then that evolved. I don't think I journaled again until I was going through divorce. And that was really just to get out a lot of what I was feeling. And then I ended up reading a book called The Artist's Way. And it takes you through a process of writing prompts. And the prompts really helped me to just get started and then kind of follow thought from there. But at first it was, it was kind of getting out all the ugliness that you're talking about that we're kind of afraid to get out. But what I found was that when I first started writing, I wanted it to sound good. I wanted it to sound like my friend who is an amazing writer. It was all that surface level stuff. And I, I remember days and days of feeling like I, I'm not getting anywhere with this. It's not helping me. But I really made a commitment to keep at it over mm -hmm. a period of time. And I remember one day it was as if like this girl skipped across the page of my journal. And I thought, oh, I want to know her. I want to know her. And that was the first time I felt like I saw my true self. And I just like kept kind of writing and writing and writing. And she started showing up more and more and more. And I have this belief that when you tap into that part of yourself, there's nothing not to like. Mm. Like there's there's a beauty and there's treasure there, not in an egotistical kind of way, but just in a really grounded, rooted, like this is who I am kind of way. And so I practiced letting her out on the pages of my journal. And then that started to overflow into my life over a period of time where she started to express herself more and more in my everyday life and in my relationships and like that. So who is that girl, Carla? Well, she's here. I already did. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like where, what changed, like uh, help us understand the contrast of who you were to what well, you I think found. I just took off the costume, right? Yeah. Like I just took off the facade. I laid down all the facades of trying to be something, trying to be what others wanted me to be or contort myself to please other people. You know, I, I let all that kind of fall away. And, and that's what I help my clients do when you, it's like, I don't believe you have to find yourself. Yourself is like, you're already there. It's really about setting down all the things that aren't you. And so for me, it was setting down all the mannerisms and behaviors of pleasing and contorting mm -hmm. and trying and forcing and proving and surviving. And once you start letting those down, you kind of settle into who you are. And it, I think I'm assuming um, I've gone through the same journey. I think you're aware of my journey. It's very, it was probably the emotion to describe it as freedom, right? Freedom. freedom. That you were free to be whoever you chose to be, whatever felt right to you. And you were not worried about how people will perceive you, right? Because society is probably one of the biggest challenge that we all have. That we're trying to please the people that usually we don't even like. But so now you true. are free. Now you're free. Right. So true. And I just want to clarify that it's also a work in progress. Like that, of course. you know, parts of that costume come back on and you have to like do the work on the regular to set it down again and again so that you can have access to that freedom. So now how do you do that, Carla? So that's an interesting point, right? Because we all take 10 steps forward, sometimes 11 steps back, sometimes two <laughs> yeah. steps back. So it's, it's, it's a constant snake and ladder game, right? 
what is your routine? What is your methodology to be more intentional about that reflection and being true to yourself? And do you have a ritual that serves as a reminder? Do you have journaling? Do you have an accountability partner? What is your process? Yeah, so two things. So one, being on the road, I have found that my morning routine hasn't been quite as regular. And I was really feeling like a little out of sorts yesterday. And this morning I got my full morning routine. And I was just telling my husband before we got on that I just feel so much better. You know, like that routine is such a support and such a foundation in my life to just get centered and calm and focused and intentional for the day. And so that for me involves it involves waking up and I do prayer and reading and writing and movement of my body and drinking water um, and sometimes music. And it's rather short. It kind of all fits in with 15 minutes or 30 minutes, usually sometimes an hour if I have more time. But that ritual is just really, really grounding for me with the journaling part, because that's a huge part of anytime I start to feel off center or overwhelmed or fearful or what doubtful, whatever it is, um, writing is a way for me to just kind of empty all those thoughts, kind mm-hmm. of acknowledge that they're there and then really remember, you know, who am I and what am I up to? What's the, what am I turning towards? And that's really, you know, back to my story, the process I go through over and over again and teach my clients is we get so focused on what we don't want and, you know, kind of avoiding or surviving and um, trying to avoid what we don't want. But when you can really get clear as what do I want, whether it's for this day or this week or this month or this year or for your life, and then what thinking and actions and behaviors align to that. And you start taking consistent aligned actions towards whatever that thing is that you want. That's how I made huge traction in my life back in that story. And then over and over again, when I got married again and we're creating a marriage and then Mm -hmm. creating a family and our purpose has always been to do that really intentionally. And so those two practices kind of coupled together really are a structure that helps me to sustain that. I love what you said there, Carla. There's one specific thing, and I, again, don't know if you said that as a passing remark or that was intentional. It's creating marriage, right? Mm. You know how the words that people use are so important. Usually people use the word, we are married, or we are, or we were married, or it's like a verb, but in, uh, which is essentially a statement. But what you're trying to say is you're creating marriage. Help us uh, understand your philosophy on that. Oh, my gosh. I have so much passion around that because, well, I was divorced, right? And I got married again, had tons of fear about that. And I remember when we were engaged, people would say, oh, just wait, just wait till you've been married a while. Oh, look how happy they are. Look how in love they are. But, oh, just wait. They haven't been married for very long. Mm. I started to feel like this, almost like people were cursing us, you know, that some future date, this imaginary monster was going to come in and just snatch all the love and bliss away. Mm. And We talked a lot about it and really realized like that is not true. That is a lie. And it is up to us to cultivate a space where our marriage can grow and be be alive and thrive and get better over time instead of worse over time. And that has been what we have been doing for over 20 years. And we fall in love over and over again. And our marriage just gets better. And it, it takes a ton of work. 
we've been working at it since day one. We do work every day to kind of sweep our marriage um, to make sure that we can create a space where we can fall in love again and again. Is, isn't that so interesting? And thank you for sharing the uh, sharing that story. Yeah. And congratulations being married for 20 years. I've been 19, you're married for 19, and it's a constant work in progress, right? There's it's ebbs and flows. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But there's a lot of rewards from the work. Yes, and I think it's the same muscle that I believe that we can use in life as well, right? 100%. Because you know how what we say is that, oh, everything's going good for that person today, but wait, something is going to happen, right? But wait, <laughs> That it's, it's almost like people are envious of somebody's happy marriage, happy life, but all good intentions, but they know something is going to happen, right? And like you took charge of your marriage aspect. I'm pretty sure you're intentional about everything in your life right now. So help us now take that. I'm going to transition that same philosophy. I'm assuming it's the same philosophy. You tell me if it's different for your high-performing clients, right? When they are coming to you, something, Something is asking them to seek something, right? Seek some assistance. That's, I think it's a, it's a blessing in disguise for it. It's more kudos to folks who are actually reaching out for help. They're realizing something is not working. They're looking for a coach. They're looking for somebody who has done that before, right? So help us understand how do you take the same philosophies that you love by, that you create your happy marriage, then take that to your clients. And how is it a transferable skill <clears throat> Or is it just because the dimension is different? It's a completely different aspect. It is. It is a transferable skill. So over a lot of time of doing this work in my own life, then I had the opportunity. I never set out to be a coach. It kind of found me. But I did sort of develop this methodology that really kind of reflects the work that I had done in my own life. But it starts with addressing the survival model, which we all have, which is made up of you know, your thinking, your beliefs and your behaviors that keep you in this survival mode of, you know, trying to prove, trying to avoid, trying to overcome something. We all have it, something from when we were very young, usually. And we're living in this like proving cycle, survival cycle, and it has a certain set of results and experiences that aren't so fulfilling. And we feel like we keep hitting a wall, you know, we can't quite get out of it. And what I discovered over time, it's because people are stuck in this survival model. And so my work with people is to lay that out and to literally show it on paper, like this is your survival model, and then show them how to start to step outside of that. And once we address the survival ways of being, we start to then get clear about what is it that you want to build in your life? What is it you want to create in your life? Because people aren't focused there. And a lot of times they have the best of intentions and they think they're doing all the right things to head in a certain direction. But when we really kind of peel back the layers and look and we use writing to do that, you can see that like all the wires are crossed and they're doing things that actually are creating something they don't want. Right. And so once we address the survival and get clear on where they want to head, then we start to do differently, right? We start to look at how can we shift what you're thinking, how you're behaving, how you're approaching old familiar problems in a different way to start to create a new and different experience. 
And then it becomes really practicing and building that muscle because like you and I have been saying, it's everyday work. Mm -hmm. It's everyday work to keep the foundation of your life alive and energized and have vitality there. And gosh, just within the last year, this methodology I've given a name to called lifepreneurship. So it's really exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So it's really about channeling all this incredible energy you have as an entrepreneur or ambitious leader. And instead of just channeling it into your work, because that's what most of my clients do, they get lopsided and they channel it all here and they create a lot of success, but then their other sides of their life are kind of falling apart. And so lifepreneurship is about channeling all that incredible energy into all those important domains of your life. And you use things like creativity and innovation and differently wholeness alignment. You know, we have different pieces of that to give them tools to really build that their whole life instead of one part of their life. Isn't Which, that interesting? Yeah. Good, Carla. No, no, no. I was just going to say it's kind of like you. You talk about wealth, right? But wealth in all domains of your life. Correct. Correct. And I think that's where I was going to go with us because, you know, you can have a perfect relationship, but if that's all you have, the other aspects of your life are going to suffer, right? It has to be right. a balance between all of those. So let's talk about balance, right? I mean, you know my philosophy about balance. There's no balance. Uh, you got to work towards the balance. Help us yes. understand your philosophies about, is there something called as work-life balance? Yeah, so I agree with you. I think I always used to say like ditch balance and go for alignment, you know, mm. and it's really that more alignment within yourself. So if, you know, our lives are always going to be out of balance, you know, there's just seasons of our life and chapters of our life where work requires a little bit more or your relationships require more, but there's a way to feel, you know, sort of harmony and balance in the imbalance if you're kind of centered inside. And when your priorities get out of balance is when people feel out of alignment, you know, because they're channeled over here in their work and they're just in a constant state of shame and guilt because they're not taking care of these other important parts of their life. And so I think what I find often is people are just going through the motions of their life, but they're not stopping to just reflect and say, what are those, you know, you and I talked about this on my podcast. What are those pillars that are the most important? What are your priorities and are your actions and your time reflecting that? And I think you said this too, it doesn't have to be quantity of time, but quality of time. Because if I have, you know, 10 minutes of really quality present time where I'm not Mm -hmm. distracted at all with my kids or on the phone, I just did that yesterday. I got to talk to both my boys and like just that touch point of like connection, like that will sustain me for, you know, a while, right? Correct. Because I think one thing, you know, we all, I'm culprit of that too. You feel guilty of when you're working, your focus is on your family, that I'm not spending time with them. And with your family, you're thinking about the work. And I think it's the presence, it's the quality of you being there when you are there. Our kids, your kids, everyone else's kids, they're going to be happy if they can get five minutes of quality time with you rather than one entire week. Right. Yes. That's a very different the five minutes. They're going to remember that more and they're going to build memories of that. And same at work. Right. That 
if you're producing quality, if you're focused and you're producing quality work, they don't care you work 24 hours or 48 hours or 500 hours a week if they're available. Everyone's looking for quality of work and productivity. If you're able to free up your mind from guilt from other aspects of your life, I know it's theoretical. It's probably very easy to say it than to do it. I'm not probably, I know it's hard <laughs> because there's no easy way to do it, but there's only one way to do it. Just do it. Right. Yeah, and I think it does. It requires really challenging our thinking in this old model, right, of how work has to look and how life has to look. And right. instead of, you know, working so hard, checking all the boxes and the to-do list to get to like a vacation where you can mm -hmm. then spend time and really be with your family, I just feel like that's an illusion. I mean, vacations are great, but if you can really work to create that presence in your life and that mindset that you're on vacation, you can create that here and now. And then you don't have to work to escape your life. You're, it all just starts to blend and there's a great fulfillment available inside of that that you don't have to wait for. <laughs> yeah, and I really love what you, the word you use, right? You don't use the word life, work-life balance. You look at alignment, right? And I think when the alignment happens, the life's going to be frictionless. Life's going to be like a wheel instead of a wobbly geometric shape. And if it's like a wheel, every day is a vacation, right? If we want to design our life, we're not going to design a life that we hate. We're going to design the life that we love, right? And if there is love, every day should be smooth. Every day should be frictionless to our best abilities. Now, life, if everything is too smooth, life's going to kick you hard to change something. Right? That's just the way life is. It's going to teach you a yes. lesson. Yes. So I'm not saying life's going to be perfect once you have the alignment, but it's going to be much That's more, right. you're going to enjoy the journey more than suffer the journey. There's always going to be challenges and obstacles, right? But when you sort of like when you approach it with lifepreneurship, it really does become like life curriculum. Like you're saying, mm -hmm. there's a lesson and an opportunity inside of everything. And I see that so often working with people, they feel like there's this big barrier or block in their life. And I'm always like really curious and excited yeah. because I know there's something good inside of that. There's an opportunity in that obstacle always. And if you can ap apply entrepreneurial kind of mindsets of creativity or innovation and really just like get curious about it, um, then you feel differently walking through those challenges and you feel like you don't lose your power, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so Carla, and you know, let's just say, hypothetically, which is going to be very true, I know for a lot of my listeners, the message resonates, right? But something's preventing them. What have you found in your discussions with high-performing entrepreneurs who essentially have one aspect of their life theoretically figured out? Once you start engaging with them, even that falls apart because the beliefs that made them start that path. So what is your top three findings in working with your clients have been the most limiting belief that prevents people towards a path of migration? Hmm. I don't know that there's like three specific ones, but it goes back to that survival model of like, I can think of a story where a lot of times it can show up with a behavior that they learned when they were young, mm -hmm. like, oh, being overly responsible. So like for somebody that learned to, you know, maybe they were the oldest child and something mm -hmm. happened and there was a divorce and they ended up having to take care of all the children. They learn a behavior of being so responsible and they, they got a lot of accolades for that, right? Like it created a lot of success in their life, but usually they reach a point 
where that behavior, whether it's over responsibility or pleasing others and taking care of others, that behavior becomes a weakness and it becomes the barrier to taking their life to the next level. And so it's some survival behavior, whether it's over responsibility or it's a feeling like um, inside they may have a feel feeling like they are not enough. And so they're constantly in a state of proving, achieving more and more and more and more. And where that becomes a barrier is they want something different for their life. They want to, you know, kind of raise up those other priorities in their life. But that rooted behavior of survival, whether it's over responsibility or trying to be enough, that will derail all their best efforts in other places in their life until they really uproot that and recognize that that was something they needed to do to literally survive when they were young. But now they're not in that environment anymore. And a lot of times leaders, ambitious people are still behaving as if they're surviving an environment they were in as a young person. And now they're in a completely different environment, but they're still behaving the same way. And that's what creates a huge barrier in lots of different places in their life. Does that make sense? It, it does, Kyle. I was just kind of reflecting on what you were saying, right? So I think it's, I'm very passionate about kids' education. I think it's exactly parallel to the kids' education. And I think that's a society's training that you learn to get good marks. So you learn to adapt to a certain behavior to get a specific reward. And that reward is being beaten into you, you as a kid that you have to get a grade A. You don't care about how you're going to use that learning, but you need to learn and spit out everything that you know at an exam so that you can get a specific grade. And then after that, you can just completely forget about it, right? So it's kind of like one of those things. And when you come in the real world, we all know it's about application. It's not about spitting out what you know. It's about how you're going to apply what you know. And I see... That training that we got in the school is going to get you through first few years of your life very successfully because that's what's expected out of you at that point. But once, as you grow in your career, in your life, you're not going to succeed with that. And that's a big turmoil because your mental model is, well, I've been rewarded to with a certain behavior. Now you need to completely change. And that's when the crisis happened, right? That's when people are saying, I'm unhappy at my job. It's really not, job is not the symptom. Job's just a manifestation of something else happening within you. And those are the moments, right? If we all, by choice, by intentionality, start taking a pause and realizing instead of blaming a job, try to reflect on what am I doing and what has been my mental model or survival model so far in excelling in life, is it working for me? If it's working for you, great. Chances are it won't work forever because I'm sure with even your clients, when you change their survival model, you're not giving them a script to survive with the survival model for the next five decades. It's going to work for a certain, the new survival model is going to work for some time. And then they have to to upgrade that. (laughs) Right. It's a constant upgrade. It's you upgrade. Yeah. Because you're going to upgrade that. Yeah. So so let's help our listeners with, are there questions, you know, Everyone's looking for key takeaways in our world. So I know there's no easy takeaway, but I want to leave our listeners with a few questions, key key questions that they can ask. If they were have to journal, like follow your morning routine Mm -hmm. and journal in the morning, 
what are the three key questions they can ask themselves? Yeah, so I, th I think an important part of the journaling process is one to just kind of empty your thinking first. And so that first question can honestly be anything to get you just started to kind of empty your mm -hmm. thinking. So can you can just be asking yourself, like, you know, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? And just kind of go from there. But I think the other two questions that I really love are one is, you know, what do you want to feel? Because so often in life and for high achievers, we're achieving, 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 thinking like I was that someday all those checking those boxes is going to have you feel a certain way. And it's an illusion. I call it the someday illusion, right? And so if you can ask yourself, what is it that you want to feel, you know, whether it's more peace or more happiness or more joy, and then ask yourself, what can I do today to create that feeling? Mm -hmm. And if you start to build that muscle, you can start to create more of that feeling in your life right now. And as you feel better, I mean, you probably know this socket too, like as you feel better and your energy vibrates at a higher level, you naturally attract better experiences mm -hmm. and better conversations and all of that. And so that would be the second one. And the third one would be, you know, what is it that you want to create or build in your life? And are your actions and your thinking headed in that direction? And just this last couple of weeks, I had several calls with ambitious people inside of say a sales organization. And I, the feedback I got was, and it was just 30 minutes of time to, mm -hmm. for them to kind of step back and look at are their actions and what they're doing leading to what they want. And both of them, you know, two of them said like, I haven't stopped to like raise my head mm -hmm. to even look at is what I'm doing taking me where I want to go. Right. And so I think just pausing to take a look at that can be a game changer. I kind of like that. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting because you're essentially a story arc, right? What am I feeling today? What do I want to feel today? And whatever am I doing today? Is it getting me close to how I want to feel? I love that because that essentially is the, the life by design, right? And yeah. you can take that question and remove the word feel to anything you want to accomplish. How is my marriage today? What do I want my marriage to be? Is my current marriage, is my current, um, how am I dealing with my marriage? Is it taking me there? How, is, how am I as a parent, right? I think that those three questions could be the most life-defining questions if you can apply it in every single dimension. Would you agree? I do. I, it's helped me change my life. And like you talked about those, you know, those different migrations in your life, like those questions always help me migrate to a new place. I love that. Well, Carla, you know, you and I can talk about these topics forever. <laughs> we, could. we could, we could, but I know you have a trip to go to. So with that note, let me ask the, we're going to towards coming towards the closing of our episode here. Where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me at CarlaReeves.com. And my podcast is called Differently, and you can find it on any major podcast player. I love that. And again, I love, I love being on your show. I hope you come back to our show. I think that, you know, the stuff like this, what we just talked about, the insights that you shared, sometimes we need constant reminder. It's, it's easy for life to overwhelm us. And these constant reminders, although very simple, they are needed. 
in the world. Absolutely. So Carla, with that, let's shift gears towards two things. Like we talked about your journey. So what advice, what insights would you give to your 20-year-old self with all the different mm-hmm. micro and macro migrations that you have lived through in your life to make your life more intentional about migration and make that journey more productive and intentional? I'm not going to say easy because migration is never easy. <laughs> migration is you're breaking away some shackles and moving to a different place. That's going to be painful. Or just one insight that you'll share with her. Yeah, I think it would be to, I don't know how to articulate it into words exactly, but I think it would be to, I was so trying to go, I felt like my design was wrong and I had to like be something different than I was. And I think it would be to like lean into your design instead of trying to move away from it or make it something different, right? Like lean into it and trust it and cultivate, cultivate that inner life that's going to travel with you 24 seven, because that's going to shade every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing that you can control. True, true. Thank you for sharing that, Carla. It is needed. We all want to look at things that we can control, however small that is. Life can be overwhelming. For sure. So on, uh, let's take a broader perspective now, Carla, as in what is your vision desire for humanity to intentionally migrate towards? I mean, there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of success, there's a lot of pleasure in life as well. But if you want to look at humanity as a whole, what do you see the gaps are? where if you were able to intentionally migrate the whole humanity, where would it go? I think for me, it involves faith. It involves, you know, kind of back to this cultivating this inner rich life. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, as humans, we need something bigger to rely on, to lean on, to sustain us. Mm-hmm. And that we we can't do it individually. I mean, together we can do a lot, but I think there's an awareness of something that's much larger mm-hmm. that can uplift us to an entirely different level. Awesome, Carla. Well, thank you again for sharing your insights. I love talking to you. We'll probably have more conversations that the listeners may not be that. purview to. Well, on that note, thank you again, Carla, for coming on the show. As a reminder, listeners can find Carla on CarlaReeves.com and on her podcast differently. I would love for the listeners to go on, listen to Carla's show. You can skip mine, but you should definitely listen to that. Definitely listen to Socket's interview. It was awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you again, Carla. Thank you so much. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.